This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. Well, I'm Ashley, and this is United States of Murder. Lacey is still under the weather, so this episode is going to be a little bit different. The case I'm telling you about today is one of the wildest I've came across in a while. A thrill-kill couple. He is a former Navy SEAL, and his wife is very wealthy and is obsessed with Hooters memorabilia. But that's just the beginning of this twisted tale. Erica Grace was born in 1978 in Pennsylvania. Her dad was a very successful contractor, and she was an only child. She wanted for nothing. She was pretty, very petite, a rule follower, and a good girl. She was at the top of her class and a star basketball player. But when she entered high school, her dad didn't think she was getting enough court time, so he moved them to Hollidaysburg into a 10-bedroom mansion that had an indoor basketball court, then hired a private basketball coach just for his daughter. Erica pushed herself. She wouldn't go in for dinner until she made 10 baskets in a row, no matter how long that took. Her dad also pushed her. She attended the University of Mary Washington on a partial basketball scholarship. College wasn't all it was cracked up to be for Erica and she developed extreme anxiety, especially over her grades, so she quit basketball to just focus on her studies. She graduates with a bachelor's in history and political science. In 1999, while out at a bar with some friends, she met BJ. They chatted, exchanged numbers, but nothing comes of it. BJ had grown up in the Midwest before moving to Texas with his family. He was a star on the swim team, and whatever he put his mind to accomplish, he did so with flying colors. BJ joined the Marines his senior year of high school, but scored so high on the entrance exams that his recruiters suggest that he join the Navy instead and become a Navy SEAL. In 1996, BJ entered basic training then went on to SEAL training. Of the 160 that started the training, only 18 graduated, and BJ was the top of the class. He went on to complete a 25-week medic training course in North Carolina, and then was stationed in Virginia and assigned to SEAL Team 2. For three years, he was a model sailor and SEAL. BJ ran into Erica and they rekindled their brief flame within just a few weeks. As in three weeks, and then they fly to Vegas and get married. She moved all of her classes to Virginia and was blissfully in love. From there, BJ was sent off to training to this state, that state, wherever the Navy sent him. This did not help Erica's anxiety. She would spiral and have panic attacks. When BJ was sent to Alaska for cold weather training, she flew there. BJ snuck her onto base and into his room. 
So spouses aren't supposed to even know where you're being sent or where you're at, let alone come onto base. These trainings take extreme focus and strength. This is nothing for a spouse to be around because you create a distraction, which is exactly what happened in this situation. He told her where he was and she showed up. When he was stationed in North Carolina, Erica was pissed and convinced him to get out of the Navy by getting a bad conduct discharge. BJ began leaving the base without permission, cursing at his superiors, and was court-martialed, then spent 90 days in the brig. In August of 2000, he was discharged, just as Erica had wanted. So all that hard work, all that training, all the specialty training, down the drain. After he was discharged, her parents sent the couple on a two-week trip around South America. Erica had always dreamed of opening her own business. And now that she was married, she thought this was a perfect time to open a business with her husband so they could work together and they never had to leave each other. Her parents give them the money and they open up a scrapbook store in Pennsylvania. Erica would have panic attacks if BJ was away for more than just a few hours. Eric and BJ both became obsessed with Hitler, and they agreed with all of his beliefs. BJ got a huge swastika tattoo on his chest, like Ed Norton in American History X. They collected exotic pets like snakes, boa constrictors, and Erica became obsessed with Hooters clothing. The couple began to break and enter into businesses because they were bored. They would break into restaurants and sell merchandise, especially Hooters. Erica started carrying a handgun. BJ was bored, so the couple start committing more and more crimes and begin doing drugs for excitement. In May of 2002, the couple decide to take a vacation to Ocean City, Maryland. They grab some Xanax and Valium and hit the road for the beach. They check in at the Rainbow Condos, snort some Xanax, and head to Hooters. They ask the waitress where they should go party afterwards, and the waitress suggests a little bar called Secrets. The couple take a bus to the nightclub so they don't have to drink and drive, and on the shuttle bus, they meet another couple, Joshua and Jeannie. Josh and Jeannie are in town for the long memorial weekend. Josh is in his early 30s and works as a mortgage banker in New Jersey. And Jeannie is an insurance executive and is 20 years older than Josh. This couple adores each other. Josh and Jeannie, they live together. They're not married, but they're kind of building a relationship. They're very much in love, according to their friends and family. So both couples are drinking and hanging out until the bar closes. And Erica suggests, hey, why don't you guys come back to our condo? We'll continue partying. We have a hot tub, some weed. Some people allege there was a promise of sex. Just all in all, a good time was going to be had by all. They're drinking couples. Let's go. Once back at the condo, 
The couple start partying. They're in the hot tub. Music is going. They're smoking. Erica gets out suddenly, goes inside the condo, returns, claiming that her wallet, drugs, and a $10,000 yellow diamond ring is missing. BJ gets out of the hot tub, goes and gets Erica's gun, and is swinging it around, demanding to know where her stuff is. The couple, Jeannie and Josh, are kind of standing there in their wet swimsuits like, we didn't take her stuff. We've been here with you guys. You know we don't have it. They're very confused and probably pretty freaked out. Erica calls 911 and she tells them there are people in the house that she doesn't know. She said her bag was missing and they were being robbed. Then suddenly the phone call drops. They accuse this couple of stealing their stuff, used Erica's gun as a threat, and made them strip off their swimsuits. The couple run into the bathroom and lock the door. They try the bathroom window to climb out of, but cannot get it open. They are trapped. BJ's banging on the bathroom door and eventually breaks the door down and shoots Josh in the head. He then shoots Jeannie, who was hiding beside the vanity. It didn't kill her. She's terrified. She'd just seen her boyfriend gunned down in front of her own eyes, and, and she knows he's about to kill her. The police never show up. The 911 call was dropped. They didn't dispatch anybody. No other guest heard a gunshot, and nothing was reported. So Josh and Jeannie are dead. Erica and BJ have to clean up this mess. Erica goes and buys black trash bags. They dismember the bodies, tie them up in the trash bags, pack them in plastic tubs, cross the state line into Delaware, then dispose of them in different dumpsters, which were right across the street from each other. They go back to the condo. They have it for the rest of the week. So BJ takes a nap. Erica tries to clean up the best that she can. They end up going to Home Depot and buying the stuff to patch the bullet holes in the walls, repaint the bathroom. They even bought a new bathroom door to replace the one that he had beat down. Then the couple go about their vacation. They go out to eat. They play putt-putt. They get tattoos. They take a million selfies and pictures. And on several of these pictures, you can see... Erica is wearing a chain around her neck with Josh's ring on it. It still has dried blood on, which is visible if you look closely at the pictures. A few days later, they break into the Hooters to steal merchandise. What they didn't realize is this Hooters had a silent alarm and police had been dispatched and they catch the couple red-handed. Police handcuff them. They find a loaded gun on both of them and a knife tucked into Erica's pants that had flesh and blood dried on it. Erica starts to have a panic attack. She asks the police officer to get in her purse and get her a Xanax, which he does. Inside, he also finds three shell casings and two IDs that do not belong to them. They are Josh and Jeannie's. Another officer arrives. He's seen missing person flyers up that had this couple, these IDs, this couple's pictures on them. 
They found membership cards, zip ties, gloves, and ski masks inside their Jeep. On May the 29th, police in Ocean City had received calls from the police 200 miles away in Virginia that a woman had gone on vacation to Ocean City with her boyfriend and her friends reported her missing. She'd never returned. Jeannie had never missed a day of work in 20 years. They tried to contact her boyfriend, Josh, but apparently he was missing too. They had stayed at the Atlantis condos and had driven her red Acura with a vanity plate that read Jeannie C. The police immediately put up flyers and post them all over Ocean City, which is where these other two police officers had seen them. They drive over to the condos and immediately spot her car in the parking lot. They know it hadn't been moved in a few days because there was sand built up around the tires. Sand blows around in these beach towns. Any beach city you've been in, sand's everywhere. But it was piled up so that the car had not moved. They go to the condo and everything's there. It looked like they just walked out. They found a grocery receipt on the counter. They look in the fridge and freezer. Everything's there. They had not eaten or drank anything. No one had heard from them. The police called the hospitals and other police departments in the surrounding states. No one had seen anybody matching their description. No one was being treated at hospitals. No one had heard anything. So this couple is missing. The report is made. The flyers go up. Now the police have this couple in custody that was caught robbing a Hooters in the middle of the night. And they have this missing couple's IDs in their possession. The two police officers who are working the missing person's case are called and they come down to talk to the couple. Erica tells them that BJ found the IDs. And she just put him in her bag. BJ isn't saying a word. So the police go to the condo where Erica and BJ are staying. And inside on the table, they find two bullets. One had blood and human tissue on it. They get a warrant to search the condo. And there they find Josh and Jeannie's room key and photos of the couples together. Erica had made a scrapbook in all this time. And on one of the pages, she brags about how her and BJ were the modern-day Bonnie and Clyde. The police officers see that the bathroom had recently been repainted, so they tear out the vanity and they find a line of dried blood in the sink drain. They took all that apart. They find a piece of scalp with dark hair attached. There's a hole in the wall that's been patched. They check the dryer vent and there is tissue, human tissue and hair in the dryer vent. Josh's palm print was found on the bathroom window where he had tried to open it and get out. BJ asked for an attorney immediately, but Erica sings like a bird and blames everything on BJ. She acted like she watched all of this and was afraid for her life also, so she kept her mouth shut. She tells them that BJ asked her to take pictures of him holding both of their heads, Josh's head in one hand and Jeannie's head in the other, while he was naked and had an erection. They found Erica's handprint on the outside of the bathroom window. Police said she was out there watching where the couple was cowering down 
and yelling at BJ exactly where to shoot through the wall before he broke the door down to shoot the couple. Erica eventually tells police officers where they could find the body parts. Unfortunately, the trash from the dumpsters was long gone. It had been picked up and taken to the landfill. They search it, eventually finding pieces of the murdered and dismembered couple. Erica takes a plea deal and had to take a polygraph. But during the interview before she begins the polygraph, she tells the interviewer she told Josh just fucking do it. When he asked her what she should, that he should do with the couple once they ran inside the bathroom. She also confesses that she was behind BJ when he shot Josh in the head and that BJ told her to stab Jeannie after he shot her to make sure she was dead. She said she did, and then BJ told her where she could find her stolen stuff. He had hid it under the bed. So the whole thing was a ruse to kill this couple. She admitted to helping clean and dispose of bodies and cutting Jeannie's throat and decapitating her. She was under the impression that what she said couldn't be used against her in court. Only what she said during the polygraph couldn't be used, but not the questions before. The deal was off the table, and she is charged with first-degree murder. Another couple eventually comes forward, and they tell the police that they met the couple, also at Secrets, and were also invited back to their condo. The woman said that Erica was showing her around when she suddenly said her purse was missing and everyone began to look for it. The woman noticed that the bathroom door was off the hinges. Erica accuses the couple of stealing the purse. This was just two days after they had murdered Josh and Jeannie. They searched the house, and the purse was eventually found under the couch by BJ. So this couple leaves completely unscathed. They fly out the next day to Hawaii for two weeks. So it wasn't until they returned home that they saw the news and saw what had come come about since they left. And then they come forward and talk to police and are like, hey, we were there. We met this couple. It was really fucking weird. They told us that we stole their stuff, blah, blah, blah. BJ testifies in court that he did nothing wrong. He says he went back to the condo without Erica that night and that when he realized he forgot his key, he got in their car and slept. He said Erica murdered them while he was asleep. Erica killed Josh, came down to the car, woke him up, and told him what she had done. BJ said his wife's mental illness had cost him his career, that she caused him to get hooked on drugs and commit other crimes. He was acquitted of first-degree murder of Josh, but convicted of second-degree murder of Jeannie and sentenced to 30 years. So they believe that Erica killed Josh with no help of BJ, and then he, she went and got him and brought him back to help kill Jeannie. So things are not looking good for Erica. It was her gun that was used to kill the couple. She confessed during the interview that it was her idea to kill them. She had their IDs in her purse. She had Josh's ring around her neck. And allegedly the tattoo that she got was in the same spot that she had stabbed Jeannie. And she got it as kind of a memory of what had taken place on this vacation. 
Eric is found guilty of first degree murder of Josh and second degree murder of Jeannie. She's sentenced to life plus 20 years. Every appeal they file has been denied. BJ filed for divorce in 2010. He is eligible for release in 2030. Erica is up for her first parole hearing this year, 2024. Crazy case. We say this quite often on this podcast. Sometimes your paths just cross with the wrong people. And to me, that's one of the most horrifying things to think about. How many times have you encountered a truly sadistic person like this couple? How many times were you almost a victim of a crime that you just had no idea? This couple was just on vacation and chatted up another couple on a bus to a bar and just hung out with them. I mean... These stories are just a constant reminder that you can never be too cautious or too careful. Never let your guard down. You can watch this story on American Justice Thrill Seekers, American Justice Deadly Sins, Forensic Files Dirty Little Secret, and Snapped Killer Couples. There are a lot more shows about this insane case. I probably watched all of them once I found it because it's very interesting, very sad. But the police stopped what could have possibly been a serial killing couple, like at the beginning. Anyways, we do have a new patron this week, Carrie I. Not sure where she's from, but we appreciate you just the same. And if you send us a DM with your mailing address, Lacey will get some stickers out to you. I hope you've enjoyed having me today all by myself. I kind of feel like the one and only mistress of evil, Elvira. (laughs) I wish, but I bet I could get a wig like hers off Timu. Anyways. Have a good week, and we'll be back on Wednesday. Hopefully, Lacey's feeling better. I've been um, Googling things to help her throat, but none of them I can say on here. (laughs) Anyways, bye.